You're listening to the EFC Podcast. World Vision is Canada's largest global relief, development, and advocacy organization, and a faith-based organization which appeals to a wide range of Canadians who care deeply about the world. They might be best known by a lot of folks for their child sponsorship work, and they have just turned that model upside down, literally. My name is Karen Stiller, and I really enjoyed speaking with World Vision Canada President Michael Messenger about their newest approach to child sponsorship, the role of faith and churches and development work, and also what discourages and encourages him in work that can be both rewarding and really tough. Michael, thank you for joining us. It's great to be here, Karen. I uh, was very excited as a longtime child sponsor to read about this really new take, it feels to me, on child sponsorship, a whole new model uh, that World Vision has just released. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, I'm just as excited as you are, if not more. You know, World Vision has been doing child sponsorship for uh, almost seven decades, but we have launched what we're calling a new invitation to sponsorship, and this is called Chosen. So the difference is that for the first time, rather than the usual model of sponsors looking at a, a gallery of children to choose to sponsor, and you can choose their age or country, we are now flipping the switch and People who want to sponsor are actually having their photos taken. We're taking them into our field communities and letting the children make the choice of the sponsor. It's, a, it's an amazing opportunity for us to put the power to choose in a child's hand. Uh, it's really, you know, over the years, we focused on empowering pil- people, empowering children. This is a way, even in our sponsorship uh, invitation, to give that opportunity for choice, dignity, empowerment, agency, right into the hands of the children that we serve. Yeah, the, that word dignity really strikes home to me with this. Um, I remember, you know, and I think any maybe sensitive person has had this experience looking at like a, a board full of the photos of children and feeling really kind of funny about picking one. Like, it felt like a strange shopping experience sometimes. Like it just always felt weird, even though you knew what you were doing was a good thing and an effective thing. Well, and, and over the years, that's that model of child sponsorship and that invitation has been very effective. And it often it does enable sponsors to make a connection with an individual child. It could be that, you know, I, I know for my own kids, we, we sponsor a number of kids, but when my kids were younger, we chose children who are the same age. We have a little girl, Heidi, in Honduras, who's the same age as my daughter. She was actually able to go and visit her. And that was a point of connection that we could make. Uh, it does reverse things now. It is a little bit different. And we are hoping that as we see this new invitation alongside the more traditional way of doing things, which isn't going away, that we are going to be able to really try to focus on that empowerment and dignity piece that you called out. Yeah. So who came up with this brilliant idea? Well, you know, we've been talking about doing some things um, like this for a while. It really came out of World Vision US. Their church team was experimenting and doing some innovation. At a certain level, you stand back and say, oh my goodness, why didn't we do this sooner, <laughs> right? I mean, yes. we, we've been all about empowering children as part of our development work for years. We've gone beyond a handout model for, for many, many years about sustainability and, and, and uh, community and empowerment. So it is a bit of a surprise to us that why is this happening now? But, you know, it's interesting. We are at a time when the traditional invitations to child sponsorship are not resonating with Canadians the same way that they were uh, for, for, for many 
And so this, it felt like a God thing. It felt like an inspiration, an innovation, something very simple, which are sometimes the very best ways of innovating. Um, and we are really hopeful that this will uh, really catch on. This, this will be something that will spark, uh, maybe invite a, a whole new group of sponsors who perhaps have been suspicious of the child sponsorship model or didn't like that experience, like you said a few minutes ago. Um, this is going to be a chance for them to really engage and build a very different kind of relationship with the children that we uh, partner with in our communities. Yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. When I heard it, I just thought it's so smart. Uh, so how does a person go about trying to become a sponsor then? Do I send you my picture and a write-up or what happens? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not an application process. We're a little, we're not quite that discerning quite yet. Uh, well, there are a couple of different ways. First of all, chosen, this experience will happen sometimes in group settings. So it is going to be a, a key way of engaging with churches. That So the, the model actually started in World Vision US through church partnerships. And what happens is that a World Vision speaker or, a, or their local pastor who really is committed to, the, to this work will preach and invite people that day to, to be chosen. They'll go out to the lobbies of the, of the church and have their photo taken. And what happens in this model is that the pastor actually goes with the World Vision staff person the next day or the day after, flies to a place like Kenya or Guatemala or Bangladesh or other places where chosen is in place. We then host what we call our chosen party, which is where the community comes together. The children come together in a celebration. And all of the photos that were taken just a day or two before have been sent. They've been put up there and the children can go in and choose their sponsors. And then what happens is those choices are made. There's a photo taken with the child holding the picture of the sponsor. There's a chance for that the, the child to write a letter to the sponsor to say, let me tell you why I chose you, Karen. You know, I, I loved your family or there was something you reminded me of someone. The stories are really interesting, even in the early days. And then those stories are come back, come back. And the next Sunday, there's an unveiling at the church and everyone receives their chosen envelope and they get to see the child who sponsored them. Wow. So that's that's the, that's an amazing model, and that's where it started. But we thought we want to take that and not just constrain it to uh, a, a a church setting. So we're working with with some of our artists, for example, Big Daddy Weave, uh, Tim Newfeld. These are people who have been longtime supporters for World Vision, and we're trying to figure out an experience where they can allow the the people in the in that that uh, setting to actually take their photo, probably using their 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 cell phones. They can sign up right on the spot, and then we can make a link to uh, a chosen party where people from who have also joined in through these other events, all of those photos are gathered together, and then it's a more digital experience. Oh, that is awesome. And then the final thing is, if you're just interested in doing this, if you come on you know, on the worldvision.ca page right now, or, and either go there to worldvision.ca slash chosen, you can actually upload your photo. Uh, and it, it goes in and it tells you when is the next chosen party happening. So I know that there's one going in Guatemala in about a week or two uh, with a church from Winnipeg. Uh, my wife and I actually just signed up to be chosen ourselves. I'm so taken with this idea. And that's going to be in October. And I believe that's in Guatemala or Bangladesh. And so that's going to be done digitally. It's a whole digital experience. You're kept up to date on where the child is, when the event's happening, that the information's coming, you're going to be picked. And then it comes through and delivered uh, by email. Wow. Okay. So what if no one chooses you, Michael? <laughs> that would be something. Um, <laughs> we're, we, we're hopefully that that isn't going to happen. Uh, but you know what? It's a really interesting question that you ask, because what do you think it means when we say the same thing to children? 
Yes. When we've said in the past, what if someone doesn't choose me? Mm. Uh, well, you know, this is, this is what this, this is this whole reversal. It causes us to really think about things differently, to put ourselves in their shoes. There's a more relatable opportunity. We're still obviously working out the bugs. This is brand new for us, but we are excited about what this holds. Yeah, that is so neat. Now you mentioned, um, you know, the Canadian church connection, and uh, I think everyone knows World Vision is a faith-based organization. You travel all over the world to, you know, project sites, and you're on the ground. I wondered if you could speak to us about the role of the church, both here in Canada, but also overseas. In my own experiences, I've seen the local church and communities in different spots just being amazing agents for change and really important in a way that maybe we can forget the church can be. Can you speak to that? Absolutely. You know, in our, in our pretty secular society here in Canada, uh, where even where we are have freedom of religion, where we can where we can worship, the church still feels a little marginalized on the sides. And sometimes we want to keep our faith private. In a lot of the parts of the world where we work, uh, faith communities, Christian or otherwise, are part of community life, cultural life. You can't go, for example, to a to a community in Zambia and not be greeted when I when you're coming in by hymns and singing and prayers and the pastor speaking. They are the they are the civil society, right? In places like that. But in even other parts of the world where it's a, it's a much more uh, multicultural or multi-religious environment, we see the local church being agents of change, agents for their own development. World Vision has a model that we call Channels of Hope. And this is a, a one where we, we, we sit down with church leaders, uh, recognizing that World Vision is not the church. We are an expression of the church. We want to come alongside the local church that we really believe is the, is the hope for transformation. And sit down and say, look, let's, can, we, can we offer our insights in what, uh, who are the marginalized people in your communities? What does it mean to follow Jesus, to serve the least of these, like we hear Jesus talk about in Matthew 25? and equip the local church to be the ones that reach out to their communities. I was in Zimbabwe a couple of years ago and went, it was actually a, a, a small brethren in Christ church that had gone through this channels of hope uh, training. And at the time it was dealing with some of the challenges and stigma associated with HIV and AIDS in their community. As a result of the process that where we were able to come and support this church, this church on, in and of itself took, took, um, took it upon itself to itself community reach out to widows and orphans in their own community. Uh, this was not World Vision doing anything except suggesting that this might be a good way to follow Jesus. They were absolutely able to get their resources together and were making a remarkable difference in their community. And they had actually built up the uh, the reputation, frankly, of the church and and of Christians in that context. And people were were not only being helped physically, but they were actually coming to faith because they saw Christians express Jesus' love in such a tangible way. So those are just some examples of what the role of the local church, certainly as, a, as an agent of change, part of civil society. But we know that with, when God gets a hold of a community and inspires people to really uh, you know, follow his message, uh, amazing, uh, miraculous things can happen. Yeah, and I was thinking also uh, just now as you were speaking about the spiritual health and well-being of children that uh, and um, this idea of, you know, giving children or reminding them of their dignity and their potential that that must make such a difference uh, in the lives of the children that you meet and interact with to know that, you know, they're loved by God and that they have worth. Well, as a Christian organization, we start 
and this is with, you know, when we engage with anybody from any faith or any background, we start with the idea that every person, every child is created in God's image. You know, that says something very powerful that the person, you know, the, the, the girl in Honduras, Heidi, has the same dignity and potential that my daughter does, just the fact that she was born here in Canada. There's a connectedness that we believe as Christians uh, are, is so significant. Now, I can talk to non-Christians and invite them into this, and they also see that that idea of, of inherent dignity, inherent worth that's grounded in faith is something that's really significant. I, I love... I love actually being able to talk to people of different backgrounds and have a values-based conversation that's anchored in this idea that there's something powerful in the potential that God's created in every person. And our job at World Vision is really to help communities uncover that themselves, in families, children, communities, uh, because at the end of the day, that's what's going to—that's the transformation that needs to happen for real sustainability to break those bonds of poverty and injustice. So you visit places where there's great hope and there's great change happening, but I'm assuming you also see some really difficult things in some really hard places. And I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what that's like just as a person to go and see people who may be in despair and tell us what that's like and what we can learn from that. I was at a panel not long ago at my alma mater, my undergraduate college, and somebody said, tell me what's the best part of your job and what's the worst part of your job? And it actually didn't take me very long to realize that it was the same thing. It was the best part of my job. Well, let me just say this. The worst part of my job is going to witness some unbelievable suffering. And I'll, I'll tell you a couple of stories in a minute. I mean, recent trips where I just, you know, I've come back broken. That's, it's terrible. But you know what? There is something unbelievably um fulfilling and engaging when people invite you into their stories of pain and brokenness. And what an amazing privilege that I have to go and represent Canada and come back and tell and amplify their stories to others. That's, that's the way that I think about this. I think even in the midst of the worst situation, I think what story can I tell that shows the, and, and shares this pain and dignity that inspires Canadians to take action, to say, stand up and say, the world, would, however bleak or dark it is, does not have to be this way, that there are things that we can do to engage. You know, I, I guess for me, the most recent trip that I had that was like this was to Afghanistan. I was there in March this year. World Vision over the past couple of years has been going through a strategy process globally. And we've come right back to some of the core elements of our founder's view, uh, Bob Pierce. He was an American evangelist who wrote in the flyleaf of, of his Bible, may my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And really drawn by those, those points of, of suffering at a deep level. Well, as we step back and look at our world today and we think, where where is extreme poverty? Where are those those pockets of fragility or difficulty where where are the where would we say today we would find most of the people that Jesus described as the least of these and as an organization internationally we've rededicated ourselves to reaching out to those dark places uh, places like Afghanistan South Sudan Central African Republic alongside our current work but trying to say we really want to focus on the most vulnerable so in in support of that I traveled to Afghanistan in March uh, this is a classic fragile context. It's a combination of a humanitarian disaster 
caused by drought, which thankfully now is kind of in the recovery phase. But at the time, there were 300,000 people in this area alone that I visited that had been displaced because of food insecurity and inability to grow crops. Um, we saw people on the move uh, while we were there. But we also know that it's this chronic conflict and the, the government simply can't keep up with the needs that we would expect a government to take care of its citizens. So we were, we were there visiting one of the World Vision mobile health clinics and came face to face with story after story after story of heartbreak and despair. Uh, I think for me, the hardest moment, one I will not forget, was meeting a, a girl. Her name was Banesh, 14 years old. We met her in the, in the mobile health clinic, and she was there not just for a checkup, for a well child checkup. She was there because she was pregnant, nine months pregnant with her second baby. She had been sold as a child bride at age 11, the same age that my daughter was you know, watching, watching videos in The Lion King, going to school, dreaming of a future, playing with her friends. She was sold off as an economic lever of a way of a family in desperate straits trying to get rid of a mouth that they had to feed to generate some income for her family. So sitting down and talking with her, the dignity that she had, the commitment that she had to say, I don't want my daughter to experience what I did. But I looked at her and I knew that for her, her potential, while she was potentially going to be an amazing mom in a really difficult circumstance, the kinds of things that we dream for our daughters were done for Banesh. And to hear those stories, heartbreaking stories, and this little tiny girl's voice telling her about, telling me about what her story was, it makes me come back. Of course, it makes me break inside, but it makes me come back and say, what is it that we can do to change these cultural norms, to work with community members, faith leaders, to prevent a future Banesh from having to be married in this place? So when you uh, come back broken, how do you take care of yourself? Well, <laughs> my wife tells me that, that I have the gift of compartmentalization. <laughs> there is, I, I, I am able to kind of keep in part of my brain the things that I've had, I, I've kept. I think God has actually given me this ability to kind of keep it there and separate from, from who I am. But you have to let those moments that break through. So sometimes there are tears. Sometimes there is a time of just rest. Uh, but for me, it's the best way is to come back and be able to how, figure out how can I take the stories, the videos, the, the pictures, and translate it into something that's going to help galvanize people to act. So for me, sometimes it's being able to do interviews like this one or speak in churches or talk to the media where I can, I can tell stories like that because that then, that then gives me a, a way to add meaning to what I'm doing. I also, of course, really hold on to the moments of light in even in the midst of darkness, and even in Afghanistan, even on the issue of child marriage. There are some amazing things that World Vision and its partners are doing there to stop the scourge. Because not only Banesh, but I met girls who had actually stood up to their parents and, and said, this is not what we want to do. We were trained by World Vision. My mom was trained. We were able to stand up and make a difference, and they're changing their life, getting better opportunities for education. So I hold on to those moments of light at the same time that I don't ignore those moments of darkness, which really, that, that's what changes us, I think. We have to recognize that there is pain um, because it, th that's what inspires us to actually make a difference. Yeah. What does galvanize Canadians? Like what, what resonates enough that moves people to action and generosity, do you think? 
Well, Canadians, you know, Canadians are incredibly generous people. We have a global mindset. Younger Canadians, even more than than um, you know, older Canadians my age, uh, are are they're more in tune to what's going on in the world. So, what galvanizes Canadians are things. I like to find those things that make a connection. That 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 reduce what I can think of as the proximity gap between what happens over there and what happens here. So sometimes it is trying to find those points of connection. I'm a father. You're a parent. You know, we have children. What does that mean? What does it mean for us to be a father or a mother here in Canada? What decisions do we make for our kids? What are the same or different ones? Imagine what it would be if you were uh, in a refugee family in uh, South Sudan, and you had to decide on a moment's notice to flee with your children for northern Uganda. Uh, imagine what that would look like. Trying to make those points of connection, people respond. People also, they don't want stories of just desperate need. They do, Canadians want to respond to say there are some things that we can do to make it better. They don't want, by the way, some happy story that says, okay, if you give me this many dollars a month, you're going to guarantee me this wonderful outcome. Canadians are actually increasingly tell us, we want, we want to recognize in the same way that you keep telling us, Michael, that poverty is complex. It's got multi-layers, including spiritual dimensions. It's, so why shouldn't the, the answers be complex as well? Tell us the challenges as well as the successes. Bring us in. Be more transparent to tell us where, how are the funds going, what's working, what's not. Uh, and I think that we, we're positioned and really wanted to seize this opportunity to do that. Canadians are showing us that they're faithful and want to walk with us, not just when things are going fantastic, but also when they recognize that there's challenge. And so it's kind of a calling um, forward of people to be generous. I'm not saying that right, but you're you're wanting and asking people to be generous. And of course, we know that generosity is also for our own good, that, you know, it grows our hearts. And I'm wondering if you could uh, just speak to us a little bit about that, the, the impact of generosity on the giver and how you've seen that. Well, you know, there was a tagline that we used to use at World Vision, and it was, it was not just artificial. It was the idea that change a life, change your own. I actually think we've seen that a little bit re reignited in, through the, the chosen model of child sponsorship, where people are recognizing that there's a transformation that has to happen inside us, too, through the act of giving. And as Christians, for sure, it's hard to ignore God's call, whether in the Old Testament or through Jesus' words or Jesus' life, that, that being generous to those in need are actually part and parcel of what it means to follow Jesus. You know, to be, to be Christians, we have to live out our faith. This is not just a, trying to figure out how we're going to get to heaven. It's about actually making a difference in the needs of, and lives of, of people uh, here. Um, so we know that. So it's, it's, it's the right thing to do. But there's more than that. I think when we recognize that we can actually make connections with people, develop relationships, where there's a chance to kind of break through the us and the them, the there and the here, um, that there's something profound that happens internally. It, it gives us a new, broader view. It softens us, I think. It makes us better people. And people who've really engaged in that come on a journey with us, a journey of generosity. Uh, it's been really amazing to hear the stories about how simple interactions, and it may just be through sponsoring a child and getting a letter from them on a regular basis and un understanding that there's somebody across the world who knows that I pray for them, somebody across the world who knows that I love them. There's a relationship that, that shrinks those differences that keep people apart. The, 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 you know, the forces of individual, 
individuality and that of, of division, isolationism are really, you know, they're rampant in the world today. So I love to find those things that break through and, and connect in our hearts, our spirits, our minds to help us realize that there is something bigger than ourselves. We as Christians believe this is God's plan for the world, his kingdom, that, you know, this new kingdom in Isaiah 65 that talks about what life is, is going to be like. We want to live according to those kingdom values today, even in a world that feels very different. Is there one issue in particular that you would like Canadians to pay attention to right now in the world, Michael? Well, certainly for us at World Vision, we want to realize the, the focus that we need on what I call these fragile states. You know, when I started at World Vision in 1990, compared to today, um, the number of people in extreme poverty, there were a billion more in 1990 than there are right now. And as we look towards 2030, the number of people suffering from extreme poverty is going to continue to, to diminish. But what we see is that extreme poverty, I like to think of it as being on the run, and it's going to find dark places to hide. By 2030, 80% of the world's people suffering from extreme poverty are going to be in just a handful of fragile or conflict-affected countries. And so if World Vision, if the Canadian government, if Canadians don't continue to focus on those places, then we're not going to be able to really go the last mile. And wrapped up in that, Karen, are some significant issues that go beyond just pure poverty. If we don't tackle the causes of poverty in those places, injustices, uh, dealing with the need to build peace and deal with conflict, uh, but also issues like gender, the need for girls and women to really be able to express their agency, their empowerment, uh, opportunities to grow and thrive as really the economic engines of most countries, uh, then we're going to miss out on an opportunity to really ensure that we continue this path of trying to do our best to get rid of poverty in the next 50 years. Yeah. And is that possible, Michael? Like, will we see a day where we can say that's done, that's in the past? You know, sometimes it feels like it's two steps forward, one step back. But I can say as we look at the big picture, the studies are showing that on many measures, number of kids in school, number of people with clean water, the number of people with food security, the opportunity to have good things to eat, things are getting better. We want to keep going on that track. But it's going to be really hard for us to reach out to those last dark places and figure out new ways of working places where humanitarian emergency responses are not always there, but normal development approaches, even like child sponsorship can't work. We're going to have to really figure out what that looks like. But I am, I am confident. I, and it's not a false optimism either. I believe that if, if, if we can engage Canadians, Canadian Christians alone can engage their churches, connect with local churches here and internationally, we can continue to make a difference and improve the lives of children, even in these most vulnerable communities. I believe it's something we have to aspire to. We've got to live out those values of that future kingdom where nobody is suffering. Someday that's going to happen. I want to do my part in the meantime. And here at World Vision, and our staff around the world and engaging Canadians to come with us. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.